Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. See, see, I got, I got fucked up, Pete. Go ahead, go, go. <laughs> well, uh, welcome back to uh, Podside Picnic. Uh, I'm your host, Pete Johansson, and we have a very special guest for you today. Um, author, raconteur, man about ta- town, Carlo Jaeger Rodriguez, and he's going to be talking with me about his short story, Vanishing. How are you, Carlo? I'm doing okay. Obviously, uh, not not willing to let go of the fucking wheel, huh? <laughs> so, so I do want to say uh, up front, folks, um, podsiders, uh, listeners, um, I'm Romans generally countrymen. Yes, lend me your ears. Um, I I thought for a second there, if I if I may dig, digress within my own digression, um, <laughs> that you were going to call me a man about time. I was like, damn, that. See, that is that's an intro. <laughs> you um, could be one of the doctors. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but uh, I just wanted to to point out that usually I'm the host these days. Pete is on today as host and full disclosure i did not put pete up to do this i want to make absolutely certain yes i wrote vanishing yes it is on seize the press magazine a fabulous magazine i should say um and uh pete was the one that approached me and said hey do you want to talk about your story so uh pete uh, now that i've um sort of tried to wash my hands imperfectly <laughs> yeah, here on air. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I should also mention one of my goals as I become more involved in Podside, I was able to take a, a, a long uh, walk away thanks to Carlo's kindness. But as, as we find places where I can fit back in, one of the things I can, I can do is author interviews. Uh, we, we get good response from those. I love doing them. Why not? And uh, it struck me as an incredible disservice to the pod that if we have somebody of the pod who just published something, that we wouldn't talk about it. So I, I put Carlo in this incredibly awkward position. I'm very happy to do so. So, <laughs> <laughs> Carlo, um, I... The I keep wanting to call it the vanishing. Vanishing really interests me because it's one of the few situations where I've been aware of a story while it's germinating. Mm-hmm. Be- because in in the past, you and I have had some conversations about something you're working on, a little bit of you know what's going on behind the curtain, and then I mean, and this this was months ago. And mm-hmm. this this is really, uh, I mean, it came back in a flash. It's it's on seize the press. The feedback on it is is white hot. I mean, it, it's. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't know that you're getting a Hugo for it, but everybody I've encountered or seen online who's read the thing has loved it. So um, 
I guess, uh, where do we start? Oh, I know where. Where did you start? Well, I, I know nobody likes to talk about where their stories come from, but where were you when the story started? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly the year, but I, I, uh, I do know exactly what sort of prompted it. Right. Um, I was, uh, just following, I was just scrolling through the Twitter one day. I want to say this was a little bit, maybe in, even as old as 2016. I, I don't even remember now. No, I think it's earlier it's 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 later than that but anyway i was scrolling through twitter and uh a, an author who was um definitely like uh, a a world traveler type uh had managed to go somewhere uh and was just tweeted out that oh it's so weird um i uh, they changed like i i i went out uh to do a tour or whatever and came back and uh, they changed my room number. Like he came back to the room that he thought was his and it was not his anymore. <laughs> they changed him over. And that sort of got me thinking about like, what, that's a weird thing. Like they, like they, they were actually in the process of painting the hotel that he was staying at. And that got me thinking about like this whole idea of a disappearing room, Um, which I mean, it's not, I think that's something that has been touched upon by several authors. I, I think you had mentioned that, what is it? The, the Stephen King one, 1408. Yep. Uh, and is, uh, there's the, the vanished room that, that mm -hmm. sci-fi miniseries. I mean, Oh it, really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, th things, things that disappear, of course, have a, have a tradition in horror and science yeah. fiction. I, but uh, I, I think what you did this and, and how you approached it is, is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, if I if you want me to go a little bit deeper, a couple layers deeper than that, because sure. I mean, cut the onion, uh, man. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> They've got layers. Um, <laughs> so, um, so that got me thinking, and I was like thinking about like uh, I remember I had heard I think it was on This American Life, I think like a whole thing about like there was a there's an old urban legend like one of the first ones that that we have sort of recorded that's you know known as an urban legend which is the vanishing woman um and that got me thinking like it just it's the type of thing that it's two ideas that sort of fit together in my mind very well and i sort of just oh i know what i can do with this and you know obviously from my point of view, like I, I'm a big, like not a big fan. Let's, let's be clear. I, I am morbidly fascinated with what people like in Latin America must've gone through, through, you know, stuff like, you know, when I've read stuff like the, um, the coup in, in, in Chile and stuff like that, where, you know, people would just disappear the government would disappear people. And that's, it's such a, such a fucked up thing to happen because it, this is going to sound sort of fucked up, but like, okay, so the government shoots your, you know, your loved one dead. They're dead. You know what happened to them. There's no room for false hope. 
you know, and yeah. however, if they're gone, you know, there's no closure there. You, 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 you may suspect, but you always have that little niggling doubt of hope, uh, wriggling about inside of you that, you know, sort of tries to bat that away, even though it's, you know, statistically speaking, they're, you know, they're dead. They're probably yeah. gone. And I wanted to play with that. And, and I, I, from, from what I'm understanding from the feedback on this, it's, I think I, I succeeded most, more or less. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I think it connected with a lot of people. I mean, p- partly because what you're talking about, there's, oh my God, I nearly called it a myth, but there, there is a thing that we all know happened. It, well, all over the place, Nazi Germany, the Soviet Union, um, any number of authoritarian states. Frankly, it's happened in America where mm-hmm. where people just get disappeared. And and that uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, it's it's terrifying. But it, it also speaks to that that general uncertainty. Like I used to um, I used to work. I, I got hired to work at a, at a company called American Express. And I had my first day of training and I came back the next day and they changed the sign and it was Ameriprise and nobody fucking acknowledged it. Like they just picked up the training from where they left off. It was a slightly different book with different branding. And the idea is I was just supposed to roll with it. Nobody sat down with me and said, hey, we changed the sign. We're a different company now. And I mean, we all have those fucking moments where we don't, we we aren't able to grip what's happening. And I think you captured that as much as the terror of, of, you know, of the fear of being disappeared itself. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a surreal thing. What you just described. I'm just imagining you go out to lunch, you come back is. Wait, <laughs> we've always been this. You know? Like, am I in the right building? Uh, am I in the right world? <laughs> I should have taken it as a sign, man. Oh my god! But uh, so, one of the things that I think about this, and in some ways, I'm at a real disadvantage in interviewing about this because you know I like to think I know you pretty well. And what one one of the things that I think about a lot is that this is this is a departure. Like in a lot of ways, your focus has been science fiction and fantasy, and uh, particularly the fantasy has had a tie-in to uh, to uh, fl- folklore or myth. So here we have something that I think is more it's more of a horror story. Mm-hmm. And I guess I mean, is it just that you know, in 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 your house there are many mansions, and and this is just a different place you're working, or do you feel like you're transitioning to another another type of writing, or like what's going on with Carlo here? So I might have mentioned, I, and forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but I might have mentioned this in a previous episode somewhere, where there I I, I listened to a fantastic interview. Uh, where Peter Straub, uh, you know, author of Ghost Story and Coco and Shadowlands, you know, a whole host of different great, fantastic horror novels, was being interviewed alongside um, uh, Caitlin R. Kiernan, and um, he was he was telling an anecdote about uh, he was visiting, uh, I think it was like a cousin of his who happens to be like a mayor in somewhere in the Midwest, I want to say Wisconsin or something like that. Sure. And um, 
And uh, so he's talking to the mayor. It's like a, a, it's a Friday night or whatever. People are partying. They're standing on the corner of a street and, and one of those tractors carrying like one of those little basket cart things behind it, trundling along behind it with a bunch of party goers that are, you know, just drinking and having a great time. And, uh, and Paul, uh, Peter Straub says, that looks like a Trimble. <laughs> And and his his cousin says a what a trumble. He's like yeah, you know the carts that they would uh, use to cart the prisoners from the Bastille to the to the guillotine. He's like, oh, <laughs> now I understand why you're that type of writer. <laughs> and that stayed with me because it's one of these things that there's always you know i i have always had as i as i've grown older and things have changed around me um to a always ex- for the better oh yes always for the better <laughs> uh you know um like that sense of oh technology is great has slowly but surely sort of it is sort of cool but also why can't I click on one thing and just watch a video without 50 ads? Uh, you know, all sorts of weird things, you know, weird and surreal things have happened, you know, and, and it's, yeah, I know that it's like an old, one of these old hat things, you know, like you, your generation and mine, both because we're both the same uh, generation, uh, you know, would use the, you know, Oh, they promised me a jet pack. Where's my jet pack? You know, that type of thing. And it's not even that it's not even that. It's like if if that were the future you were expecting, it would be like the Uber of jetpacks. You'd oh, have yeah. to share it with somebody else. It's like what what we are gonna get is chips in our head that tells us when it's time to go to the grocery store. Well, if they don't malfunction uh, with the glitch that just so happened to happen this morning, and uh, now you're writhing in pain trying to gnaw your thumb off, you know. Did did you did you read that article about the uh, the artificial eyes? Yes, that too. Oh Jesus, I, I was I was referencing uh, Elon Musk's horrible. Oh horrible yeah, the, the monkey experiment. torture. Jesus Christ, man. Um, yeah. But yeah, the 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 uh, cybernetic eyes, which very cool until that company goes under or gets you know gets bought out <laughs> and then put out of business because. The whole point was to, you know, merge and then dump them. Yeah. And so, so imagine you've got, you've got a, a 1957 Edsel in embedded in your eye and you can't get parts anymore as it slowly starts to break down. And as a result, you can't see. Imagine like all those um, cyberpunk people that would have like those plugins, you know, like the, the chips behind their ears and shit like that. But suddenly they transition from USB 4.5 to <laughs> USB 6. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. You've got to have an adapter and it wobbles. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <man. laughs> yeah. I can only see infrared if I hold my head at this particular angle. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the only way that the contacts make perfect contact. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, obviously as I've grown up, like the, the promise of the future has slowly, I guess, fermented, gone sour a bit. That's a good term. uh, 
and and so you look around and you go like yeah okay so sure i i just so happen to i mean let's put it this way the pandemic right now it's a fantastic you know demonstration of like how weird i feel personally about the fact that you know i'm generally okay and for more more or less i i i can if i'm slightly careful i'm not gonna you know catch a horrific um disease that has long-term effects yeah odds are in your favor certainly but there's so many people out there and and not only in this country but around the world that are not even close to what i have and how do i feel about that like I, i i guess i'm good for me yeah you know a questionable thumbs up <laughs> yeah i mean we 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 exist in a world that is fundamentally unfair and if 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 you do anything about it it becomes less fair for you and that's kind of a bitch of a choice i mean like i i would I sort of like to think that I'm the person that would would settle down to two meals of beans and rice a day and, you know, do everything in my power to minimize what I'm intaking, you know, spread the rest out to other people's protest all the time. I I don't have it in me. There are limits. Mm -hmm. And that's that's not something I knew about myself until at least my 30s. And it's been like the, the, the gravity of that has been sinking in over the past 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like having, speaking of gravity, like, like imagine like a slow knife that you, you just sort of put up again. You, you rested it for a moment against your leg and now you can't really pick it up again, but slowly the gravity is just going to cut through it. I I have a I have a friend um actually he's he's a he's a politician now so I'm not going to say you know who he is uh, but um he he really became one of the uh the foci in the uh um uh, occupy wall street movement in Minneapolis hmm. and when black lives matter came around people tried to coalesce around him again. And I mean, his reaction as you know, as pleasant as it was, is like, no, fuck you. You guys are going to evaporate once we start getting something done. I've been on this ride. Hmm. And I mean, shit, like a, I, I mean, I could see where he's probably right, but B, could you imagine like having your passion tempered like that? I mean, that's, that's a tough reality. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and you know, you, you, to a certain extent, kudos to him for being, I don't know whether he's right or wrong. <laughs> yeah. But, but at the same time, like at the very least, he was not afraid to be viewed as a bad, a bad guy. Uh, you know, basically you know, like, if you took issue with what he said, well then, you know, that's fine. I, I, I'm okay with that is basically his, it seemed to be his stance from what you're telling me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I accept my consequences. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the thing that really uh, sort of boils my boils my blood about that is when you get that, and then you know, oh, don't yell at me. It's like fuck you, fuck you. 
Oh, people are being mean to me. Oh, that is so common right now when people are talking about the pandemic. It's like, I want I want the masks to go away. I want to be able to go to a restaurant and I want to feel good about it, you bastards. And it's like, well, that's not how it works. I mean, yeah. all of this stuff is a trade-off. And if we decide that it is too inconvenient to have a mask mandate – it's too inconvenient to make sure everybody gets vaccinated before they go to work. Well, people are going to die and they're going to be mad about it. And we, you just need to own it. We need to own it collectively. It's like mm -hmm. there are choices with consequences here. And you know what all of this stuff has in common? <laughs> Not your book. <laughs> Not my story. <laughs> yeah. let's, that, that, let's, should be, that, that should be the episode title. Not my story. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, th this is the other downside of interviewing you, man. I just like talking to you. So this, like, this could go anywhere. Well, uh, I mean, but but as you can see, we we've both. I think we're both at the same at a certain level. We're both at the same frequency that this story is is sort of plugging into, right? Yes. Um, and and you know the the whole. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I I. I I don't remember uh, exactly. Wait, hold on. Maybe I do know exactly, or at least I, I have an idea. Uh, okay. Yeah. So this has been around uh, since at the very least, I think I, I submitted it for the first time in August, uh, at the end of August in 2019. So this is a story that's been around a while. Um, uh, I, I submitted it. It had 18 rejections uh, from different places. Um, you know, some of them were shots in the dark uh, because I wasn't sure. Um, how in, how ahead. the fuck do you keep submitting? Like that has got like I you're, this isn't the first time I've heard this from an author, but Jesus! Like if somebody rejected me once, I'd be like, fine, I'll, I'll go be a shepherd. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean, and that's that's a uh, part of the the journey, right? When I um when I first started uh, submitting. Like my first story that I submitted was, um, I mean, now with, with my experience that I have now, I, I don't know where that story is anymore. I, I have it in my head, but even in my head, I can tell, yeah, interesting idea, cool premise. That was not a, that was not a story that was ready, uh, to be sent out. Uh, and, and so I, I mentioned that because at the time, I sent it out like maybe three places and I had, honestly, I felt wounded every time I sent it out because obviously the thing that I, that I wrote, uh, that I dashed off and sort of half-assed a draft of it and sent, started sending it out. It was fucking Shakespeare. I mean, why, why would they, you know, why would they reject <laughs> well, exactly. it? Exactly. How dare, how dare they? But, you know, at the same time, that same sort of, um, inflation of ego on my part, uh, then caused like a real, like a real visceral reaction every time it got rejected. And it only, I, I, after three submissions and three rejections, I stopped, I didn't send it out anymore, you know, and, and I took a, took a long look at what I was doing for a bit because it's, it is difficult. It's something that you made. It's, it's something that you created. And, uh, you know, that early on, you get precious about your work. Sure. Uh, 
uh, you know, so you think, you know, I'm, I'm only halfway joking, but like, honestly, like you, you have to sort of get it in your head. I'm fucking Shakespeare. I'm going to send that shit out. Um, in part because it gets you, you know, it gets you into that habit. Uh, but at the same time, like sometimes, you know, there, there are still stories that I, I truly believe in. I, like I, I pull them out and read them again and I believe in them. I just, maybe have run out of you know places to send them, but I will send them as soon as I can. You know? Yeah. Uh and this was one of them. You know, this was one of them that I I, I knew I had something there. Um and and so partly uh if I can circle back to the 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 apart from the inspiration, the execution of the story was something that That's where I wanted to go next, please. Excellent. So uh, the execution of the story was something that, um, so I believe uh, one of my uh, uh, table of content uh, colleagues or mates or whatever you want to call them in the uncanny um, uh, disabled people uh, uh, destroy science fiction uh, was a retelling of the Rapunzel tale. Uh, I believe it was see here. Lane Waldman. Um, yes. Lane Waldman, uh, wrote a story, uh, that was a, a riff on the, uh, Rapunzel story, but then it had like these weird digressions, like, you know, like sort of in the same sense that, you know, like, uh, someone who has like anxiety will, think think out branch out and start thinking of different scenarios and stuff like that and i thought that was such a a fascinating uh way to tell a story um the, that then as soon as i realized oh i want to use urban legends as sort of like a framework but also understanding that same branching aspect um <clears throat> and, and and like in folktales you know how like folktales will have oh this is a you know Branch seven A, you know, under the anthro anthro wharf. You know, I don't know, whatever the fuck. I, I don't know the Anderson something or other uh, table or whatever. Um, a lot of these folk tales do get those types of like classifications, but obviously, I didn't want to get. I wanted to make it dry. I wanted to make it like, yeah, this is imagining the different variants of a an urban legend that you've heard. Uh, and sort of like slowly closing and tying off those sort of loose ends of an urban legend. So you, you get to the, the main, the main thread. Right. Right. Uh, And that was more or less what I I was trying to do. So have you ever read John Varley's, the Manhattan phone book abridged? No, I have not. Okay. Cause you do something in the story that I've only seen in one other place. And that is the Manhattan phone book abridged. And the basic premise of the story is he starts going through the phone book and he says something about each person. He's got a, a, you know, a double a so-and-so, and then he skips forward 3 million people and he starts working through and he starts getting towards the end. And it's, Oh, by the way, all of these people are going to get hit by a nuclear blast. And here's what's going to happen to them. And it like, yeah, like after doing the slow, playful exposure of who each person is and what's going on with them, he just like 
puts a fish hook in, right? And that mm-hmm. is what you do here too. I mean, it's it starts out. It feels like um, almost traditional horror. Like you know, she's running through. She's having these moments, almost to the point where you forget about the branching points. But the branching points become the voice of the author, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like you making a point, and I can't really think of another story, certainly not a short story that that does it in that way or as adroitly. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I I also wanted to make sure that it was like a so, and this is me just sort of like maybe uh, thinking about stuff or maybe overthinking certain things, but I remember a while ago, like whenever the, the movie came out uh, that I picked up the, the Virgin suicides and I found the idea of a story being told by a collective of people where the, the, the point of view is we and not I, for instance, to be really fascinating to me. Um, now granted it, it's, it's deployed differently. Uh, you know, using it is, is using it, is deploying it differently than, than here. And obviously I'm constrained by space. Uh, but, but you know, the, the, the point is that I want to drive home that this is sort of like this weird collectivist myth that, that, you know, wherever we are in the story have made up, you know, sort of like we took, we, we tell each other this story, uh, or, or try not to anyway, <laughs> as, as the case may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, there's a, there's a touch of, you know, like I, I, I remember rereading um, those who walk away from Omelas and, and sort of realizing, oh, you need that little, that little sting that, that will either, that gives you that sort of reader choice where you can be like, yeah, I'm good. I could put this down right here and not read the next five paragraphs and feel good. <laughs> yeah. You, how do I, I was trying to think of how to give people a real taste of what's going on here. And I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. There's only one way we can do it. Are you willing? I mean, if, if you want to, if you want to read a, a little section of it, I, I don't have any issues with that. Okay. so uh do you have a preference on where i start not particularly go ahead i should i should just go beginning to end on you but i won't (laughs) (laughs) okay well since i'm not trying to make a specific point i think i'll just start from the beginning and and stop when it feels awkward Mm -hmm. okay see what i'm having to do right now is uh, scroll through my phone until I get to the point where I've got your story saved. <laughs> Weird, awkward pause while I do that, folks. Here it is. <clears throat> Let me take a sip of beer here. Mm. This story never happens to anyone we know. It's something passed along. Something heard by a friend of a friend. In most versions, it's not something that happens here. A woman stands at what she thought was her motel door and doesn't recognize the number. At first, she brushes away the first tingle, light as a strand of spiderweb falling on her nape. 
all these hotels look alike, she tells herself. They're all cast from the same mold. She should know. They've switched between so many of them. For a moment, she almost believes she's gotten confused and ended up at the place they'd stayed last week or the week before. She almost laughs it off as a mistake until she tries her key. It doesn't fit the lock. She walks down the hallway, trying other doors, but one by one, none of the locks open until she's running, barely holding herself back from pounding her fists on every door, screaming the girl's name. Sometimes the girl is her daughter. Other times she's her niece or cousin, little sister. In a very few of these stories, the girl is simply a lost child, separated from her own family on the long journey, and the woman wouldn't allow herself to leave her behind. In all of these stories, the girl is the only other person who knew the woman before she came here. The woman is not from around these parts, but if there is something she has learned, it's not to make a scene, not to call attention to herself. We don't know her real name because of this. Might be why in some versions of the story, she's Marisol, and in others, she's Maya. But she never bothers to correct anyone and answers to whichever name she's given. She won't mind if we call her Maria. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> it... I I feel like adult talking to you about this. It's really effective. And I think one of the reasons it's so effective is we have we have the same love of 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 folklore and the urban myth. And it's so easy. Uh, it's so effective to twist that to horror. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's I think that that's the the thing that uh, I. It's one of these, I, I don't even, sometimes I don't even know how I, I managed to do certain things. And honestly, I, I, the more I read this one, I'm, I'm almost wondering, wow, how did I manage to get it like to feel so weirdly abstracted that it, it, it just feels horrific. Um, you can and, feel it beating like it's like, like there's a, it starts out in like, I don't know, four, four time. And it just keeps going faster and faster as you can feel her go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, like it's, you know, I also wanted to, um, even though we're, we're talking about urban legends, I, it got me thinking because I, I wanted to point out, uh, with this story that, um, urban legends come from somewhere, right? Uh, it, yeah. It's just like folklore, right? It's it's <clears throat> it's almost you know, and and it seems trite to to mention it now, right? Or or even uh, within the last couple of years, but you know, it's it's almost like urban legends are what we would call fake news, right? It's a it's a myth. It's yeah. not it's not real. But at the same time, there's an emotional uh, truth to folklore or urban legends. There's a certain morality uh, that they're trying to teach. Yes. Yes. Oh, my. And, and myth is the perfect word. Like, um, can I go off for a minute? No, go for it. Okay. So, like. The myths people tell themselves, particularly like it's really obvious with like historical religious ones, really tell on the culture. 
mm-hmm. know, like if you look at um, like the trickster figure, um, mm-hmm. like the trickster figure in Greek mythos is Athena. The goddess of technology and war. And you've got Ares, the god of, god of war, too. But, like, he's like this rapist monster and totally unsympathetic. And they sort of put her as the side as the one who saves things at the end of the day. But if you take a look at the Norse myth, the trickster is Loki, a huge shithead, because they didn't want change. They didn't want technology. <laughs> well, I, isn't um, – I mean, Athena is more about – I, I always understood it that she was like the um, patron of tactical or, or battle tactics. Yes. Whereas um, Ares is more about bloodlust and and just uh, aggression. Uh, Hermes is the uh, is the trickster to a certain extent, right? Uh, yeah, I mean it, the the analogy breaks down because like the, the there, there's a lot of tricky Greek gods. Unfortunately. Well, I mean, uh, there's also I mean I, I think it's also a, a question of there there is a difference, uh, you know, in in that gulf of you know uh, millennia that stand between us now, <laughs> after lots of uh, Christianis you know Christianity happening and stuff like that, and the Greeks, uh, and it's one of those things that I. It, it's going to sound so weird because I was like watching some, I wasn't even watching the movie. I was like at a, uh, at some store and they were playing like the, that Percy Jackson uh, movie mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, like came and went and they portrayed the underworld. They portrayed Hades as like lava and fire. And I'm like, no, that's not, that's not exactly it. And it gave me like this weird epiphany where I was like, Oh, see, this is obviously this is a Christianization of what you know we would expect Hades slash hell to look like, but that's not what Hades is. And it got me thinking along the lines is like, yeah, the Greeks had a completely different sort of morality, uh, you know, around things, so much so that in their underworld, like the closest to what we would consider, consider like a Dante esque hell would be, you know, the places where you would be sent for hubris, you know, for punish, punishing those who go sort of, who think that they're better than the gods or something like that effect, which or, is, or which is it. sort of amusing because when you think of a, of a, of a corollary to, you know, Dante, like I immediately go to Orpheus and his experience of course is just the deadlands, the shadow. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and that's that's the interesting thing, right? Because obviously, um, Dante was, I mean, Dante was was uh, taking from from uh, the Aenid, from Virgil, uh, who, and then Virgil was obviously cribbing from you know the Greeks because the Romans loved pretty much everything the Greeks did. Yeah, that's except, why they enslaved them. Yes, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, they they loved everything that they did. They didn't like the Greeks. <laughs> that's that's the other yes. thing. Yes. You know? <laughs> They liked everything that he did. The problem was that the Greeks were still around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they if they were extinct, they would have revered them. Um, yeah. So, but but like to to continue where I think I was going, I don't know where I was going, but um, like the the ur- urban legends do the same thing. You're you're right. Like um, it, it's it's always a lesson about who sucks. Like there's there's the the story about the woman whose whose dog gets wet, so she puts it in the microwave, or, <laughs> or like, or or like the um. I think I'd mentioned I might have mentioned this in one of the I think it was might have been the episode with um 
with one of the episodes that we had Michelle on, uh, where it was the, uh, the, the Porsche that was like listed for like just very cheap and mm-hmm. some teenager buy it, buys it, but somehow, you know, like in one of the variances, he buys it, but it smells like death inside. <laughs> it's just like horribly, it just smells awful. And uh, he finds out that it's because the 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 person who he'd bought it from, their spouse had died in the car and they'd found them like a week later. And they, they could never get rid of the smell. So they, eh, fuck it, <sighs> sell, it, sell it cheap. So, you know, w- what's that supposed to tell you? Watch out for, you know, it's like, it's a variant of like, don't, don't look a gift. It's like the opposite of don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then there's like, there's a million don't eat fast food ones. <laughs> you know the the Kentucky Fried Rat, like all mm. of that stuff, or or that that uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken had to change their name to KFC because the FDA um, thought that they were using for the meat wasn't actually chicken; it was like a mutated vat product. Not true. But- oh, uh, Wendy's Wendy's burgers weren't made with beef; they were made with bloodworms. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's amazing that you're absolutely correct. It's like, it's like a weird, um, mythologizing of a moral panic. Yeah. Um, And and then, so it becomes like this story that gets passed along. And I mean, look, uh, you know, what you eat and what is safe to eat is a very important thing to know. (laughs) I mean, uh, I, I, I hesitate and this may not be my, particular lane i, I want to be careful here but i am positive that some of the stuff that we would call consider kosher today started out as stories about well you shouldn't eat that yeah you you, you got to do it this way and that's what saves it is like okay cool <laughs> do do you think that um like QAnon or Vaccine theory and all that. Do you th- do you think they're filling the same need? Absolutely. I mean, it, the thing here is that um, I think that the the focus is less uh, is less broad. Uh, it, it likes to think it is right in, in the sense that I mean, and, and we could probably get into whether it's. Um, folklore or fake lore right because like slenderman is fake lore is you know slenderman never wasn't something that organically came up you know, oh yeah, like, like paul bunyan you know paul, yeah, paul, yeah. He, he came from an ad agency same kind of crap yeah or the uh, or something like the scp right which mm-hmm. is slightly different because it's more of a collective effort uh but a also, lot of that is fake awesome. lore Yes. Oh no, it's it's very cool. I mean, it's 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 sort of like uh if if you wanted to get close to something Lovecraftian without any of the icky, you know, icky vibes of Howard P, um mm-hmm. you you'd be good. Um I mean, uh, but but here it's I you know, like if QAnon was coordinated by someone in power, uh it's definitely fake lore. Uh, but after that, you know, and, and and now it's just gone, you know, gone, gone to seed, right? Because there's no more guiding, you know, guiding agent, uh, it, because if I'm not mistaken, Q has not communicated in a while. So, 
Yeah, yeah. It's just running on its own inertia by now. But by now, it's it's sufficiently it's got sufficient power that it can sustain itself. Which you know, I, I mean, it's fascinating and horrifying at the same time because these are, these are people that um, it, it, this is definitely a big tent for any conspiracy. Yeah, th- think think about how desperate we are for revealed truths. That that. I mean, you know, people would people would rather eat shit than do without. I mean, it's what it comes down to. Well, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I I can understand. I don't get me wrong. All these people are awful, and I'm pretty sure that you know, you or I, if we were to say, you know, talk to any of these dummies about the about our own beliefs, um, we we'd probably be you know forwarded uh, and doxxed as much as possible because we're dangerous or. You know, part of some weird Wayfair slash uh, Soros conspiracy <laughs> Indeed. to eat children's livers or something. Who knows? But um, but you know, I can I can definitely sympathize given the fact that just like QAnon itself has is running on its own inertia. Um, you know, our systems <laughs> have been running on inertia for quite a long time and to sort of you know find out that there's no one at the wheel that the train's just been running on the tracks mm-hmm. sort of on its own for a long time and and sometimes we 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 get someone in the in the cabin but they don't know how to r- run the train or what the what the buttons mean or anything like that it's just you know or they know what it means but they they can't change anything you know, you got to find meaning somehow, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's God, that's sad. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's I mean, it, it's it's good. It's a it's, it's a good p- point to make. But I mean, it just every so often it's just like, wow, we are really boned, aren't we? Like there is like unless unless somebody with politics I approve of founds like a dominant cult i don't see how we're gonna organize our way out of this i i I honestly i don't know and and like i think there's something to be said about you know organizing at a a lower level and trying to build that up but you know we're we are against the clock Um, yeah which you know that's something you know if we we can veer into the story again real quickly i think it was something (laughs) it was something that uh i included because you know part of the reason you know, that, that Maria or whatever, if that is her real name, um, decided to, you know, leave where she was from is because they're building a seawall. They're building a seawall because the, the levels are rising where she was at. Um, so, you know, there is, it's not like, I'm not trying to hit anyone over the head about it, but there is some climate change happening there. She is a climate refugee. Um, which I found really ironic because that was something that, it, that was in there for a while. Like I think from the first draft and I sent it to um, a particular magazine that uh, deals with, uh, you know, sort of like environmentalism and climate change. And they, they, they sent it back. It's like, we don't know how this fits in with our, with our mission. I was like, oh man, we're in trouble, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh well, I, maybe if you'd put in a couple of sentences there that the the seawall was putting down because of climate change, 
because well, we're yeah. all going to die. You know, where, <laughs> yeah, where, where, where the, the, the narrator turns to the camera and says, it's because the seas, they're rising. <laughs> and one, uh, well, in one version of the story, she becomes an eco-terrorist because of the, you know, it's like, come on, guys. <laughs> in another version of the story, she learns to breathe water and lives <laughs> under the sea. Yeah, the, the, sun, the sunken land of Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> one of the better episodes of Futurama. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, I... I'm not saying you avoided my question, but I didn't really feel like I got the the full answer, which is, uh, are you um, – uh, do, do you feel like you're, you're pivoting more towards horror right now, or are you just uh, – was this a blip, or is that just not how you think about your writing? Oh, no, no. I mean, uh, in general, I think I was, I, I, I got distracted by my own anecdote and, uh, I forgot <laughs> to mention that I, 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 you know, like I mentioned that I think a lot about that Peter Straub anecdote yes. about, oh, you're, you're that type of writer, aren't you? <laughs> now I understand why. And, you know, it's one of these things that I've, I feel like I've always introduced something that is either troubling or depressing <laughs> or gross, <laughs> you know, or, or something like even in stories that are generally not about horror, uh, there is a tiny, you know, like I, I feel like I need to go creepy, you know, in certain scenes or something like that. So it's always something that I've thought about. And, and, you know, it's obviously something that has been on my mind, I should say, maybe not consciously thought about it and then realized Oh, well, you know, if everything else in, you know, all the short fiction and science fiction and fantasy, and apparently if we were to believe some of these articles where they're saying that 2022 is the year of joy in novels, uh, also at the novel length, um, I think everyone wants to have, you know, very cheerful, happy novels, um, in 2022 where, you know, really there's still a pandemic out there. It's just simply we've speaking of myths, we've told ourselves that it it's no longer in effect. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, to a certain extent, yes, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm pivoting, uh, to write more, uh, horror from here on out, uh, simply because it it's, I mean, it's, usually a little easier to write uh i don't want to say it's well you know what it's learned it, experience <laughs> well i mean it, it yeah I'm, I'm sort of tapping into the 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 frequency that i have always running in the background so i might as well just you know go for it yeah well i mean if 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 these are the results i mean i i i definitely encourage it i i mean i it's 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 not by no means the first good work of yours that has has landed on my desk, but I mean this this is really special, man. In that it made me uncomfortable. Great. I mean that was that was my intention. So uh, sorry, Pete, but oh. that sounds great. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I I I, <laughs> I I I'm a white guy, and an honest white guy needs to accept that once in a while. <laughs> 
I still, I, you know, I, I'm still laughing at the uh, at someone who gave gave the feedback that you know, <laughs> what was it? Every sentence, I thought to myself, "Oh my god, when will this end?" <laughs> and then they read it before bed that same night. <laughs> oh, that's that's possibly. Effective. I mean, possibly that's one of the 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 funniest and most the the best things I've ever heard about my writing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, given given the fact that you had to fight to get this out the door, I think I think it's nice that the the feedback you're getting is it. Well, I'm so lit. I don't know how else to put it, but I mean, it it really does. It's it's it struck a nerve with a lot of people, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 You know, maybe maybe if we maybe if we publish a sh- book of short stories sometime, we we can uh, we can negotiate with the author to get it in there. Hmm. I wonder <laughs> if they'd be open to negotiations. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, boy, you know, he that guy would take us for all all he, all we're worth, though. He'd know exactly what we could what we could bid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I I hope that uh, that more people read it, uh, and uh, we'll link it here as well. And uh, I, I do want to give a shout out to um, to Johnny Pickering, who is the editor in chief of Seize the Press magazine. Uh, that first issue, which uh, I think there's there's more stuff forthcoming. Um, it's really a banger, not just the the fiction. But also some of the uh, the nonfiction articles that he had in there. So I do want to thank him personally because this is definitely this was a dream to get it to get this one published because I really felt a lot about it and and I believed in this story and he saw exactly what I was putting down. So that's great. Awesome. So, um, Carlo, I I think this is a good time to talk about upcoming projects like are there things you're working on that you would like our listeners to check out um i do i did uh you're talking about the the writing <laughs> yeah. well you know i have this this uh <laughs> podcast <laughs> that's that's part of what i meant but yes also the writing <laughs> just i feel like we're in the in the uh space balls uh sequence where they they pause the tape <laughs> <laughs> Or, or it's like I'm practicing this episode in front of a mirror before you arrive. It's just sort of weird. <laughs> just remember, Pete, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and people like you. Exactly. <laughs> um, from now canceled <laughs> comedian, Alfred. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I mean... Uh, Obviously, Podside Picnic is currently in the year of the new sun, uh, wherein we are now, uh, we have been reading for a bit and will continue to read uh, the book of the new sun written by none other than uh, Mr. Pringles and uh, part-time X-Men, Gene Wolfe. Uh, we will be continuing that. Uh, in fact, if by the time you hear this, you have not, uh, deci- you've decided to, uh, that you're interested in following along with us, uh, more or less, these are all going to be premium episodes. So please consider supporting us, uh, where you will get the entire backlog of what we've read up until that point. Uh, and you get the benefit of joining us in lively discourse 
in our Discord, um, where we we continue the the conversation that uh, Pete, I, Kurt, and Chris uh, will be having uh, in the episodes themselves. Uh, we will pop in uh, occasionally and and talk to everyone that's in the Discord. It's more of a Discordia, to be fair. <laughs> oh, well, you know, we we've got a, we've even got a couple of uh, a couple of members that uh, that decided to learn reading just for the year of the new sun. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm going to take them at their word that they did not know how to read beforehand, <laughs> but within a month they managed to do it. So it, it's it's a hell of a feat. Yes, it, it really is. I mean, really, I, I just want to encourage them to continue. Um. The reading, anyway. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, Writing-wise, um, I don't have a time yet, but soon-ish, I'm going to guess, like, uh, towards the middle of the year, you'll probably get to hear uh, my uh, flash fiction uh, that won the top award over at the uh, Pseudopod Flash Fiction Contest. Uh, called got your nose um amongst four uh, or three other stories that uh that also ranked so that um, that would be very cool yeah well oh uh and and uh that was a story that i narrated as well i got them to <laughs> got them to agree to let me narrate it as well so that's great nice you know that's that's chewy's least favorite game what got, got your, your nose? nose? Oh, he's, <laughs> like he's absolutely put his teeth on my hand for that bullshit. <laughs> give me that. Give me a fucking nose back. <laughs> Not how it works, monkey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than that, I I don't have anything uh, f- that that I know of that is forthcoming. Sadly, yes. I'm not a man about time in that sense. Well, and I mean, I, I don't, I don't think you're obligated to set every project out before it's, it's, it's finished. So, oh, for sure, legit. All right. Um, well, I think we're there, man. I mean, right. you know, we we usually cross the hour line, but we're really close, and we were handicapped by the fact that you know we're like interviewing each other. What the hell is that? <laughs> Just. <laughs> Just playing a weird, uh, a weird verbal poker here. Uh. It's like when you play chess, like you know, the the person hops from one chair to the other. <laughs> I thought you were going to say when you play chess and the other person thinks you're playing checkers. Yep. Well, we we've done some of that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. All right, so I guess uh, we should probably um, wrap it up. Not, I'm not trying to tell you how to conduct your interview, Pete. No, but, no, uh, I, I think we should. Uh, so, everybody, this this has been uh, your host, Pete, interviewing Carlo Jaeger Rodriguez and uh, discussing the story Amazing, which I strongly encourage you to check out. Uh, do you want to talk to people about the best way to get to it that compensates you? I guess I guess there's one primary route at this point. Yeah, I mean, this would just be at the Seize the Press um Seize the press.com website under their uh, latest issue. Uh, I mean, this their only issue up until this point, but uh, but yeah, it's issue number one, uh, vanishing. Okay, guys, uh, thanks for thanks for listening to Pop Side. Pop Side, I'm Pop making side. a new Pop Side Pipnik. We're, we're doing, <laughs> we're doing, no, we're doing a, a pivot now. Pod Side is going to be uh, now we're going to have to listen to everything that's K pop. Pop oh side God. picnic. <laughs> you know, like the only thing that'll make that tolerable is if we could do Korean barbecue. Because 
I, that, I, it's I, the shiznit. I could be, I could be persuaded. Excellent. Korean bar- barbecue. All right, man. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Pete. Uh, always a pleasure. Please come back. <laughs> <laughs> Bye now. They-